You're listening to the Food Freedom Podcast, hosted by me, Dylan Murphy, Registered Dietitian Nutritionist. Food Freedom Podcast explores the topics of intuitive eating, mindset, and body respect to help you create a lifestyle of lasting food freedom. We believe it's possible to feel confident in your food choices and connected to your body. And here on Food Freedom Podcast, we will show you how. I am a registered dietitian nutritionist and owner of Dylan Murphy Nutrition, a nutrition coaching practice helping women make peace with food, heal their relationship with their body, and create sustainable health habits. We welcome all foods over here, from kale salads to queso and everything in between. Let's dive in. Hey, Alexis, welcome to Food Freedom Podcast. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited. Yes. I, uh, like I said, before we hit record, I am very excited for this conversation. And I honestly, maybe like, I can't remember when I messaged you on Instagram, maybe like two weeks ago or something. I was like, yeah, I need you to come on my podcast, please. Yes. So thank you I'm for so agreeing to, to come on here. Of course. Of course. I feel like you are doing great work with um, sort of helping women get out of the diet cycle. So I'm really happy to be yeah, here. Thanks. Um, so for our listeners and even just for me to know a little more about you, because like I mentioned, I, I feel like I've been following you for maybe two or three weeks, but um, would love to hear just a little more about like who you are, what your interests are kind of, yeah, give us for a little sure. background on you. Of course. So my name is Alexis. I am a 21 year old, apparently content creator. I sort of fell into (laughs) that like two weeks ago Um, and or two months ago, I guess. So Mm -hmm. I recently graduated from Northwestern University and I now work in big tech. I'm currently working from home in my hometown of St. Louis and Mm -hmm. I'm going to be moving to New York pretty soon, which I'm really excited about. But sort of outside of work and school. I have always been extremely interested in um, social justice and politics. So Mm -hmm. that is sort of also, if you come to my page, not only will you get information about how I've sort of tried to break the diet cycle within myself and sort of start this journey of more radical self-love, which is really Mm -hmm. difficult and going through that, but you'll also get a lot of information about the intersection of food and racism, as well as Mm -hmm. just the general um, political like world and how that affects me because that's just sort of my life. So yeah, Yeah. about me. That's so interesting and makes so much sense to like having the intersection. I see that a lot on social media. Like you can't really talk about diets without talking about a lot of those topics that you just mentioned too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So tell me then what sparked, cause you said like, I kind of fell into this content creation like yeah. two months ago. So tell me a little bit like what, like how that came to be. Of course. So I sort of, when I started dieting um, in mm-hmm. uh, January to March, that time frame of this year, I created a little Instagram to quote, like, hold me accountable. Um, I blocked every single person I knew on it, which took a long time, but I didn't want, you know, there's like a lot of shame around admitting Mm -hmm. you don't like your body. Um, And so I did it. I did that. And then um, it sort of started to grow a little bit, like at that time, just because like the diet I was doing had like a pretty strong Instagram following um in like June so I had like a thousand ish followers around then and then my um I had like a large 
falling out with the founder <laughs> of that diet, which led to about like 6,000 people starting to mm. follow me on my page. And I was a little overwhelmed, of course, yeah. by the amount of people, but it's proven to be a really helpful place for me to hopefully like shed some light on both the things I go through um, in diet culture, as well as the things I go through as a black woman, because most of my mm. followers are currently like white women and they've been yeah. a lot by the things that I've talked about. So I think that's been a really big um, it's been a great blessing. I'm very grateful for it. Um, but mm-hmm. it did, I did fall into it. It wasn't really my goal yeah. to be an influencer at that point. Yeah. So, uh, but now, I mean, I'm liking it now. Yeah. yeah. So then when like two months ago, do you feel like those 6,000 followers literally like came overnight in a sense where yes. it was like, no, it was, all these DMs. It was overnight. It was literally, yeah. so I started work September 8th, mm-hmm. which is the day that all of this sort of happened. Um, mm-hmm. And I had, I think I hit like 6,000 followers within like three days. Oh my gosh. Yeah. And yeah. It's sort of stagnated since, which like makes mm-hmm. sense, but it's very, yeah. it was a lot to deal with. That yeah. Moment. Cause then, I mean, that can get overwhelming of like, I need, or I feel the need to respond to DMs and engage mm-hmm. with all these people and like independent. Cause I feel like when you're growing, well, that was organic growth, I guess. But when you're just growing slowly over time, you mm-hmm. like know a little bit more of like the type of people who are coming into your feed. So yeah. I feel like with having 6,000 come overnight, it's like yeah. maybe a lot of them align with you, but maybe some mm-hmm. of them don't, which is hard. Exactly, which is hard because I mean, like I said, I am just sort of going through this journey. It wasn't really mm-hmm. my goal. It's like, I'm not a recipe creator. I'm not mm-hmm. a like, I'm not educated in the diet world. I mm-hmm. am just like a 21 year old trying to deal with like being in a global pandemic working yeah. home, and yeah. stop dieting in isolation. So yeah. it's more mm-hmm. of like, it's been great. I do really like love all the women. I think it's a great community though. So I'm mm-hmm. really happy with it. Yeah. And I think we need more people like you on social media, because I know for my own clients, like when they get to hear from just like normal people living day-to-day life, navigating the ins and outs of diets, it's very insightful. And like, mm-hmm. yeah, they like to hear it from someone like me, who's like trained in nutrition and all the different things. But I think it's easier sometimes for them to hear, um, and not that I'm like on a level above them or something, but it's nice for them to hear from mm-hmm. someone who like, is just in the day-to-day life the same way they are for sure. Yeah, for so sure. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. And so there's on your Instagram bio, I brought this up to you before we started recording, but I love the quote you have. I think this was the first thing when I like heard you on the Outway podcast. And then I went to your Instagram profile and I was like, that bio is amazing. You say <laughs> you are too smart to go on a diet. Um, so I would love to hear a little more just kind of your thoughts around that. What led to that quote? Because I think it's brilliant. <laughs> Of course. So I was in San Francisco for the summer and I was really frustrated with the diet that I was on because I had so many women who I knew my age, college age women who were either in college or just graduated who being smart is a big part of our identity. Like we went to like very great schools and like worked really hard to get great jobs and sort of being smart is something that we were always holding on to but it was never enough if we weren't skinny. Um, Mm -hmm. And that was always what bothered me the most about it. Because for me at the end of college, I really, I had like my dream job and I like had 
really like everything I had wanted in college, but I still had this extra 20 pounds and I didn't feel like I was worthy despite having like a lot of accolades on paper. So I felt like it was like, why do I spend all this time focused on this, obsessing over these calories or obsessing over carbs when in reality, like I am just, I'm too smart to be using my brain power on critiquing what I look like 24 seven, as opposed to directing that to a positive impact on the world. So that's where it sort of came to is like, it's like, it's, it's BS. It's too much for me to deal with. I'm not going to do it anymore. Like, I'm not going to think about this anymore. And like, that has had its own challenges, but that's when I was like, I'm too smart for this. Like, I know that the only reason the world wants me to be quote thinner is because that's like a patriarchal obsession with (laughs) keeping women down. And like, I'm not Mm going to do that. I'm going to spend my time on something much more productive. Mm, that's so good. And I love the way you put that together because I see that a lot too, where when people you know, go to the really like smart schools, get the dream job, like are very like high achieving, amazing women, but then they think, and again, it's from like the patriarchy, from our culture, from so many different voices telling us like, okay, if I want to be smart, if I want to get the best job, if I want to have a seat at the table, I have to also look the part Mm -hmm. and looking the part is, you know, quote unquote means being thin enough. So I love it. Like, I feel like you're too smart to, to go on a diet is like talking back to that of like, no, like I don't have to mold my body to be worthy. Yeah. And I think that that was, what was being marketed to me is that like, you have in order to be smart or in order to be successful, you do, you need to have the willpower, the mental willpower to change your body. And Mm. that for me is like, I understand losing weight and wanting to lose weight and having the willpower to do that. That makes sense. But the way that me and most of the other women my age were thinking about it was not because we wanted to for ourselves. It was because we wanted to for other people. And that's where the big problem was. And like, that's why going on a diet itself is rooted in that idea of like changing Mm -hmm. yourself for someone else as opposed to yourself. Mm, Yeah. And so where do you feel like you got the messaging from before having that realization? Like I'm too smart to diet. Like, where do you feel like that messaging came from of like, if I want to be like good enough, smart enough, worthy enough, et cetera, I need to be small or I need to fit into this. Right. So I think it's um, from two places. And the first is at Northwestern, my school. Mm -hmm. I think when you're in a bubble of like, everybody is the smartest and Mm -hmm. um, everybody is rooting is not not rooting, but everyone's working towards this goal of achieving all of their like very lofty, ambitious, like Mm -hmm. goals. Everyone is always trying to either improve themselves or prove to other people or even themselves or their parents, maybe that like they are Mm -hmm. good enough. And so that translated into, especially the Greek life. I was in Greek life at Northwestern was real, a really toxic, like it was crazy. So it's like, not, it's not like we would talk badly about anyone who was like bigger or smaller or like that we cared when anybody looked like, but Mm -hmm. it was like, all of us were obsessed with it ourselves that we didn't, it wasn't like cool to be like, okay. So like essentially what would happen in my sorority house, which is where most of this started for me is like, there were plenty of girls with eating disorders, but, Mm -hmm. and we would talk about people having eating disorders, but we wouldn't confront them if they did have them because Mm -hmm. we were too scared 
And then if someone did have like a disordered eating pattern, like we wouldn't say anything to them either. We would just be like, I can't believe, like when I had disordered eating patterns, my friends would say to me, like, you shouldn't talk like that about your body or Mm -hmm. like, you don't look fat when you're going out, like, don't say that about yourself. But then we also had to prove that we didn't care enough. So everyone would come downstairs and eat a bunch of pasta just to prove that like, we, who cares? Like we can Mm -hmm. eat whatever, like it's, it's whatever, but then still work out 24 seven, but then still try to like, like make these comments about themselves that were either negative, like, and incredibly, you know, sad. So it was Mm -hmm. like this really weird culture of like, you couldn't try to change your body. You couldn't be on a diet. You couldn't like try and do anything because that was trying too hard, but you Mm -hmm. like, you have to be chill about it, but you also couldn't be have an eating disorder and have anyone care but you also mm-hmm. couldn't like <laughs> say I, it was like this crazy dichotomy because you really couldn't do anything about it like you just had yes. to be born perfect yes that's literally what I was just thinking I was like it yeah. sounds like you're just supposed to like come out of the womb and be like flat stomach look perfect mm-hmm. but can eat all the carbs and like go out do mm-hmm. fun things it's exactly like, that's not possible I mean for some people but it, that's negating like the genetic factor of our body that we're all going to carry weight differently. Um, right. And yeah, that's, that's so had, interesting. Right. And that's why I had such an issue with dieting was because I felt like I was the only person who didn't come out the womb, like a size two or a size mm-hmm. four, you know, like I did, I felt like I was the only person who had gained weight in college and the only person mm-hmm. who couldn't eat like a pound of pasta before mm-hmm. going out and still wear a crop top. Yeah. So you felt like, I don't look the part. So I need to like do something yeah, to change and it. Exactly. And it's like, I was introduced to the diet by girls in my, in my sorority who, mm-hmm. in my opinion, like were born with it, but in reality mm-hmm. were only eating Gigi crackers. Mm-hmm. It, was like a, it was a weird thing too. Yeah. And so with your history with disordered eating and dieting, did that like has that been, had that been going on until like March or so, like you mentioned, or June or whenever that was, or kind of tell me a little started. about that. Sure. Okay. sure. So, um, I was introduced to F factor, the diet that like I ha- was on in February, 2019, because mm-hmm. while I was living in my sorority house, mm-hmm. I had the book and everything, but I didn't start doing the diet. Like I sort of was like mentally like trying like back and forth to do mm-hmm. it, but I didn't have control over my own food because I worked that summer at an internship where they gave you food three meals a day. And mm-hmm. then I still was eating at my sorority house my senior year because it's just easier. And like, it's hard to cook for yourself when you're really busy in college. So mm-hmm. I hadn't tried it and like faithfully until, um, when quarantine hit in March. Mm-hmm. And that's when like, I did like a full three months of trying to do it, but it led to pretty bad disordered eating for myself, which was just like, not like eating like less than like 1200 calories a day mm-hmm. and then not understanding why I was so hungry and having this like dietitian like essentially on Instagram telling us like mm-hmm. that it was okay to eat that little. So I felt like I was doing something wrong always, which just led to a cycle of binging and restricting mm-hmm. a fear of things like sweet, sweet potatoes and bananas and like natural foods and like filling up on this like um, processed a lot of different processed foods. So it was a lot of like, and I was dealing with it like pretty much alone. Um, Mm -hmm. And that was also one thing 
that was like hard too. So it was a, it was a, that was sort of where my disordered eating was happening. And then when the George Floyd protest started in March Mm -hmm. and I'm sorry, in June, I didn't think about food for like the first time. I wasn't obsessed with it because there was something more important in the world going on. And for me to like eat a real tortilla instead of like a carb savvy one was like, that is the least of anybody's problems, Mm -hmm. you know? So it was a moment where I was like, and then at the same time, like all these people who I was following for their, you know, diet or body advice or whatever, none of them were talking about this online when it was like consuming me. So I was like, if these people like really, I don't know, it was a matter of like a reckoning with like what really mm-hmm. matters. And mm-hmm. to me, it was not being 20 pounds thinner. If like, yeah. I'm going to spend all my <clears throat> mental energy on that when, you know, there's this huge issue of racism in America. Mm-hmm. I'm not like, that's just not, it's not worth your time. Yeah. Which that's huge. That's such a like brilliant realization. And I think, again, that goes back to that quote you have about being too smart to diet of like, there's more, like we're put on this earth for more things than manipulating the size of our body. Like Mm -hmm. there are bigger issues. There are better things to talk about. Um, which it's interesting that all of that happened in this year, because I also think about with like quarantine and the isolation factor of it. Like I know that eating disorders and disordered eating and just like shame and insecurities thrive off of isolation. Cause you're just feeding yourself these like negative narratives and it just fuels the behaviors. And then having all the things like the George Floyd um, riots and protest and everything with racism that's come out this year. Like I think like you said, that helped to really shift your focus. Like, absolutely, I, yeah, that's, yeah, that's so interesting. Um, and so then what has like the past, like, I guess six months or maybe not even six months, like mm-hmm. looked like for you as you've kind of had that realization of like diets don't work and like, there's more important things. I think too, with your background, like you said, your, your major was political I majored, science. Yeah, right? I majored yeah. in it. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, especially this year, realizing like there's way more things and like, I'm sure, I mean, you're clearly very smart. So it's like, there's way more things I could use my time and energy for than dieting. For sure. And it's like a, I think the last few months have been in terms of dieting itself hard mm-hmm. because like at, at my core, I still, I haven't gotten out of this world where mm-hmm. like, I wouldn't be happy to weigh less. You know, mm-hmm. like I still feel that way a lot. And I still mm-hmm. get when I look at my body, I'm not like, you look amazing every single day. Mm-hmm. And I, when I eat, it's still always a struggle of like, am I eating too much or am I eating too little? Or I congratulate myself if I like didn't eat breakfast or something. Like there are mm-hmm. still disordered <clears throat> eating patterns that are deep within my psyche because mm-hmm. it has not been that long. Yeah. Um, so there's that. But then I also, I don't know, like, I've started to also try and work with a dietitian. I've also mm-hmm. like, I'm trying to celebrate the smaller wins. So mm-hmm. the way this all started was when I went to San Francisco for two months and I was there with my boyfriend and like, I was in a new city with great food. So I just like let myself eat whatever I wanted and stopped weighing. Like, I haven't weighed myself since like June, which is amazing. Mm, that's huge. Yeah. Um, and then I also, 
after those two months of being there, when I came home, like I started just trying to do more intuitive eating and trying to let go of my, you know, um, like food rules as well Mm -hmm. as just like, like, I don't like to eat breakfast, so I'm not going to force myself to do that. But like, I'm not going to make that into like a weight loss challenge for myself. I don't like doing hard like cycling workouts all the time so I do really like walking so that can be enough exercise for me mm-hmm. um so instead of comparing myself to other people so it's been that's been pretty it's been a day it's a daily thing that I yeah. have to do last night I had we were having bread with our soup and like mm-hmm. there, we had a lot of food there or whatever and I was very full but I reached for another piece of bread and I was like I don't want this because I'm really mm-hmm. full Whereas beforehand, like I would have been, quote, letting myself have bread. So I would have mm-hmm. ate the whole thing because I wouldn't have allowed myself yeah. to do the rest of the week. So mm. the small wins like that are really yeah. wonderful through this. It's huge. And I love hearing all of that too, because even I think through the people I've had on the podcast so far, and even a lot of the voices on Instagram, and I mean, myself included, like I have my own past with disordered eating and all the things, but now have like, fully moved from it. And I think it's so interesting. And I know it's gonna be so good for people to hear from someone who's still like figuring it all out because it's very much, I tell my clients this all the time, like it's very much an individualized journey. So even like what worked for me and like healing from diets and diet culture may be so different than what works for you. And, And it takes time to learn. And I mean, also, if you think about the time that you spent dieting and even just like having that message like filled into your mind of like I have to look this certain way it takes so long to like unlearn it especially too when we live in a culture that's not trying to unlearn it that's like getting more and more rooted in like dieting and like body image stuff every single day so it's very almost like countercultural. Yeah, it is. It is. It's very tough. And I think like, it's easier for me to try and get out of a diet culture in isolation, Mm -hmm. I would say, because if I was in like the New York City, like high, fast paced working environment where I had to like, or not had to, but I was going out every weekend and like people Mm -hmm. were seeing my body, I think I would be much less confident in doing this and I would fall back into my old ways a lot faster so in a way I am grateful for having a little bit of this isolation to figure it out Mm -hmm. and not complete isolation I mean my boyfriend's here and I still see my family but yeah I it's a matter of like I wouldn't it is countercultural, and Mm -hmm. like it's I think only something like you have to be very mentally strong to not go Mm -hmm. with the current and I'm not there yet and Mm -hmm. um, I'm just trying to get there but I think everyone has to have that realization for themselves and hopefully we can all get away from this like horrible trap. Yes. Yes. Um, And it, I mean, it takes time for it all to like click too, because it's easy to see like, okay, well all of these diets and everywhere I look is telling me that like the smaller I am, the better I am. If I just eat these certain ways, eat this amount of calories. So realizing it for yourself, even like the example you gave from last night where it's like, Mm -hmm. okay, I am not dieting anymore. And I actually ate less bread than I probably would if I was dieting, but that's not really what we think would happen. It's like, 
oh, I'm, yeah. if I allow myself to eat bread, I'm going to have it all day, every day. And yeah. I'm going to go crazy. Yeah. And for a while, like maybe that was true. Like, well, mm-hmm. in the first two months when I stopped dieting, like I did yeah. eat out, we ate out a lot, like more than I usually would have allowed myself. I had probably had less vegetables in that two month span, but, and I don't know what I weighed, but like, maybe mm-hmm. I didn't feel great mm-hmm. about my body. And now it's more of like, how do I feel as opposed to like, what do I weigh? Because that number is not going to, I don't know. Like I, I I haven't really moved in terms of like my body weight in like two years. I'm not really Mm -hmm. going to like change too much. So it was like, if I feel like eating all this, like dairy this week is making me feel bad, then I will move away from that as opposed to like, I'm cutting this out of my life forever because it's going to make me fat. Yeah. Yeah. So what are you, what do you think are some things that have helped you in, or like probably are still helping you as you're taking this journey away from diets and into more like intuitive, like mindful Mm -hmm. relationship with food and your body. For sure. So I think one thing to acknowledge is that I'm not like, I still have like a little bit of thin privilege, I guess. Like, I think Mm -hmm. I I could, I guess, quote, like pass for being Mm -hmm. a thin person. So it doesn't, it's not a matter of like, uh, I think like a lot of this anti-diet culture was founded Mm -hmm. for like quote fat black women. And I don't want to have any part in taking that away from the movement upon which this was founded. So I want to start with that, but in terms of the things that have made me feel a little bit better, it's not having a scale at all. Um, Mm -hmm. And like, I didn't rebuy one. And so not having, not weighing myself for five months has been a big change and then asking myself what I really like and what actually makes me feel good. So I wrote out a list of all the foods that I like actually enjoy. Um, mm-hmm. And I eat those. I don't eat things I don't like just because they're quote healthy. Um, yeah. And I also only exercise like how I want to mm-hmm. instead of like doing things that I like don't love to do. So that's one thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think Finally, it's just like accepting that this isn't like an overnight thing. Like, I think I always, even with dieting, thought it would be an overnight thing. Like, and I would just like magically wake up one day and look quote perfect, but Mm -hmm. that's just not the case. So now it's more of like a, this is a long-term mental thing that I have to work on. Like, even if I ever wanted to change my body, like first I have to get to a place where I accept it. I'm not at that place yet. So until I get there, like I'm not going to even like entertain this idea of needing to look different. That's not to say that when I went to the beach with my friends six weeks ago, that I didn't freak out beforehand because I felt like I was the only person who had above a certain body Mm -hmm. fat percentage, you know, like it doesn't mean that like I didn't freak out. Like when my boyfriend was coming to visit and I was worried about my body, like it doesn't mean that those things didn't still happen. It just means that when they do, I can remind myself that Mm -hmm. this is not worth my mental energy. I'm still worthy. My degree doesn't Mm -hmm. go away. My education doesn't go away. My character doesn't go away just because I weigh more than I would like than society would like me to. Mm, Yes, that's so good. And I think that brings up a good point with body image that I feel like we never reach this point where like 100% of the time, 24 hours a day, like every single day that we just feel so good in our bodies. Like I think Mm. that we all will continue to have days where 
we don't feel great in our body again, because of so many of the societal pressures that we have, especially as women. And so knowing more so like when you have those thoughts arise, like how do I respond now? That's probably different than how I would have responded when I was on a diet, like with going to the beach, like, okay, maybe in the past I would have spent the whole month leading up to the beach, going on some crazy diet, weighing myself every day. And now I'm able to go to the beach and yeah, still have the thoughts because I'm human, but not let them impact my behaviors. Like they probably did in the past. Right. Exactly. Mm. And I love what you brought up too, about the whole anti-diet movement being really rooted out of like fat black women, like bringing light to that. And it, because I think, and I know I'm a part of it too. Like when you look on Instagram, there's so many thin white women and it's like, there needs to be more representation across the board. Um, and even I might get the statistic wrong, but I believe like, Oh, like two, I know it's less than 10%. I'll say that mm-hmm. of dietitians are black, yeah, which means less like, than 10%, exactly. yeah. And it's also a, crazy. it's crazy, especially because, so when I got all of this notoriety or whatever for mm-hmm. my like wellness account, like wellness is, n- is not like my main MO mm-hmm. in life. Like mm-hmm. it's not like something that takes over my existence. I'm not super passionate about it. Yeah. So I was really searching for a reason for like mm-hmm. why the universe would give me all these followers yeah. in this specific area. And it was because I think that this issue with food is very big in the black community and Mm. is systemically ignored and it's systemically Mm. caused. And we also don't like, we think of eating disorders as a rich white girl problem Mm -hmm. when in reality, black teens are two times as likely to exhibit Mm. eating disorder symptoms before the age of 15 and less than 50%, like there's less likely to be diagnosed. So we have a really horrible system, both in our healthcare of not diagnosing black women for many, many issues, but also for this eating disorder problem. And I have a younger sister who's 15 and has a pretty bad eating disorder. And like, if we didn't have a white mom arguing for us all the time, I don't know if that would have been taken care of. So Mm -hmm. I think that it's a really huge problem that is, is, is killing a lot of our, our youth and it's killing a lot of our, our mental health. Um, Mm -hmm. and we don't want to talk about it because quote, there's bigger issues, but once you Mm -hmm. realize that those bigger issues are very much tied to the way we're fed, the way we have food, the way we are interact with our healthcare system, you can take a step back and realize that like food and wellness is at the core of many of the issues that we have in this country. And so that's why I want to bring awareness to that as well. Yeah. Oh man, that's so good. Cause also I think like with, like you said, I mean, that's such a powerful fact that like black, what, what was it? Black teens are two times more likely. Is that what you said? Yeah. Two times more likely to exhibit symptoms and then less, and then they are like 50% less likely to be diagnosed. Mm, Gosh. Cause I also think, and I feel like you can speak to this probably better than I can, but I'm imagining like if a 15 year old black girl is wanting or like being encouraged to seek out a dietitian or a therapist, like, do you feel like it's going to be more impactful for them to see someone who looks like them? Looks like them. I mean, yeah. I yeah. mean, I personally, 
I've been like my mom is very much like into mental health like she will always Mm -hmm. like advocate for us and I've Mm -hmm. had therapists since I was like in eighth grade and -hmm. they've always been white and like they've never understood or none of them noticed my disorder eating patterns Mm -hmm. um and it's like there are some things that like in black culture or in any culture in Latina culture or anything that mm. are so unique to that culture. And that is what might be triggering mm. some type mm. of eating disorder. And it's also a matter of what you look like. If you're not sick, thin people try and don't really notice it. There are many, like my sister with a horrible eating disorder was overweight, but you wouldn't mm. know that because you yeah. don't associate it with a stereotype, you know? So mm. it's a, it, I think that's a big problem too, is there's not enough representation. Um, and there's mm-hmm. also a stigma both within our community against mental health. I think the black community mm-hmm. in general, like does not like um, want to talk about our feelings mm-hmm. and that is systemic too. Like there's yeah. a reason we don't trust doctors. There's a reason that we are quote men too mentally tough. There's a reason we have this strong black woman narrative that we can't permeate through. Mm. And it's because of like the systemic racism we faced as a community. And mm. I mean, that's been here for, for centuries. So yeah. there's a lot to unpack, uh, but it, it's important to note that like, it is all intertwined. Mm. That's yes. Gosh, I could like, li- like, I can tell that you're so passionate and so knowledgeable about this. I could literally just sit and like, listen <laughs> to you talk about all this because it's very insightful. And I mean, like you said, and kind of like I mentioned, like, I mean, obviously I hold thin white privilege. And so it's stuff that I haven't experienced, but I want to be able to like provide space on my Instagram and for clients mm-hmm. that I see to, I mean, I know I'll never be able to like relate, mm-hmm. but at least to like understand and be able to like empathize with what they've experienced because of the color of their body and like mm-hmm. the color of their skin that I'll never experience. And that's not okay at all. Yeah. Um, gosh. Yeah. And I mean, it's so true. Like you said, the intersection between all of that, like what you said about like being just like the strong black woman. And so feeling like, do you feel like it's kind of that narrative of like, you have to almost like you were talking earlier too, like you have to be strong, you have to have it all together. And so mm-hmm. with that, you don't, you don't need help or you don't need Yeah. Support. Or there's no space for vulnerability and there's mm-hmm. no space for, you know, having this one thing that you can't really like, you don't have control over that you mm-hmm. are obsessed with. So yeah, I feel like for me as like part of being really smart and successful was mm-hmm. like being a strong black woman, like mm-hmm. no, nothing could like I, nothing could happen to me or like I couldn't get emotionally um, vulnerable with anybody mm-hmm. really. And I think I've had trouble with like friend, female friendships because of that, because I just struggle with not coming, not yeah. being strong all the time. Mm-hmm. And food was like the last place where I was trying to manipulate and control it when I just needed to sort of be vulnerable and honest and accepting yeah. of myself. And I think we, as as black women use the strength as like a, like one, it's used against us a lot mm-hmm. of people not wanting to believe that we could possibly go through certain things or like put more pain on us because they think we can handle it. Mm-hmm. And we also, I personally, I guess, use it against myself. It's like, I can't have a problem with eating food or I can't be a victim of this type mm-hmm. of thing because like, I'm too strong for that. So it's yeah. a unique experience, I would say, but it's also something 
thing that like we can all abolish if we just like stop uh, being obsessed with diet culture in the way mm-hmm. that it is because one, we, we have to let go of this control like as women like mm-hmm. there are other things to care about yes yes so much more um so kind of switching gears but kind of on the same subject what because like we've said this platform kind of fell into your lap what are your plans? And you may not have even like have like of set course. plans yet, but what, maybe like, what are your hopes mm-hmm. of like what it will become or how do you For like sure. dream of using it? So I guess in two ways, like one way I want to just sort of be myself. Cause like you said, mm-hmm. a lot of people are struggling with this like ending of diet culture and what that mm-hmm. means for them. And I just mm-hmm. kind of want to be as honest as possible with my community as to how I'm mm-hmm. dealing with that. But the other way is like, I just, I also want to bring awareness to really big problems in the world mm-hmm. and at least like a thoughtful, but also just like a normal way. Mm-hmm. Um, I do hope to like, launch my own podcast where I talk yeah. about more of the, more than just wellness, but also these issues mm-hmm. of like when we are sort of told by the world that we have to be one certain way, whether it's in food, whether it's in work, whether it's in clothes, mm-hmm. whatever. But then we realize that we don't need to do that anymore. I want to talk to people about that. So that's one thing I hope to do, just bring awareness to lots of big issues that we think are mm-hmm. normal, but might not really be. So yeah, those are, that's my, that's my big goal is start launching my own podcast. And I also just want to mm-hmm. continue to be myself and hope that that helps people. Cause mm-hmm. I, I don't know, I've tried this like recipe developing or being like somebody else mm-hmm. and it's just, it, it doesn't yeah. work for me. Yeah. And that's what you'll find. I feel like as you try and like figure out what path makes sense to go down for you versus what doesn't like, it's like, it's not, I mean, yes, obviously it'll be exhausting because it's just, work and I mean navigating an online presence can be frustrating at times but it's like it should also give you life and it should like I see when you start talking about like social justice and like Mm -hmm. diet culture and racism and the intersectional of that like I feel like you light up about that and you clearly Mm -hmm. also are very knowledgeable about it and I feel like that's how it should be versus like okay, I feel like I should be a recipe developer, but I don't really yeah. like it. Or yeah, mm-hmm. I tried that route too. I was like, do I have to be like a food blogger? Like, yeah. and it didn't work. Like I enjoy cooking, but I don't really like, that's not my thing. <laughs> yes. Thank you for that. I did. Yeah. I definitely needed that for sure. Yeah. You're welcome. Um, well, actually kind of on the topic of food, the way I like to end um, all of my interviews is to ask people what their favorite food memory is, because I think with diet culture and everything that it is, they, I mean, I think one of the big things that they do also is take away the enjoyment from food where food just becomes wow. very, mm-hmm black and white. Um, it's a certain amount of calories it's, you know, whatever. And so one thing I'm very passionate about is helping people realize that food is so much more than just food. Like it's culture, it's memories, it's like flavors, it's experience, like so much. So yeah, all that to say, I would love to know a favorite, whether it's a recipe, a restaurant, a meal from growing up that you love. So I guess I have like one but that's kind of like soiled at this point but I like loved (laughs) helping my mom with Mm -hmm. Thanksgiving so I'm the oldest of eight kids and 29 grandkids so it's pretty big family so I've always loved helping my mom with Thanksgiving but I mean 
it's kind of gotten harder this year because uh, mm-hmm. we have some members of the family who don't want to acknowledge racism. So it's more uh, becoming like, I think like that was my, it was a great memory and it's changing now. Mm-hmm. But another really great one is just like, I didn't really know how to cook um, until I started dating my boyfriend like almost yeah. years ago. So he's taught me so many great recipes uh, and like when some parts mm-hmm. of like seasons just feel like when like that food and that just takes me mm-hmm. back to just like great points in our relationship. Yeah. Oh, I love that. Um, well, so for people listening who want to follow along, we've talked about your Instagram a lot. Where can they find you? Um, my current, my Instagram is at wellness Alexis. I do think I'll be changing. I've been thinking that I was like, I wonder if she'll change it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I think I'll probably change it by the end of this year, um, Mm -hmm. to just be at Alexis Barber. So, but anyway, follow me there and, um, hopefully a podcast will be coming to you soon too. Yes. Oh, I'm excited for that. Well, Alexis, thank you so much for taking time for this conversation. I, I'm like about to message my editor being like, we need to get this one out quickly. <laughs> this is so good. So, this was so thank, fun. You. thank you for having me. Yeah. Thank you so much for listening to our show. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Food Freedom Podcast. Make sure you're following us on Instagram at Free Method Nutrition for more inspiring content on food freedom, intuitive eating, body respect, and many other things. If you're curious how you can support our podcast and help it to reach more people like you, we would love if you would take a minute to rate and review the show. We drop new episodes every Tuesday, so make sure you subscribe so you always catch our latest conversations. See you next episode.